Um, so I want to welcome everybody to this DJSM podcast. Uh, my name is Dr. Ken uh, Mountner. I am a PMNR sports medicine physician in Atlanta, Georgia. And I am here with uh, Dr. Uh, John P. Fiore and Dr. John Finoff. This podcast is in preparation for our AMSSM themed edition in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. Uh, Dr. Uh, John DeFiori, uh, many of you all know, is a professor at the Department of Family Medicine and Orthopedic Chief Division of Sports Medicine and Non-Operative Orthopedics at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA and, a head, and the head team physician for UCLA Department of Intercollegiate Athletics. And he is also the immediate past president of the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine. Dr. John Finoff is now the Medical Director of Mayo Clinic Sports Medicine Center at Mayo Clinic Square in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He's also a team doctor for the Minnesota Timberwolves, a U.S. ski team, um, and is on the Board of Directors of AMSSM, as well as being the Chairman of the Musculoskeletal Ultrasound Task Force within AMSSM. So welcome both of you, and I'm glad you could join us for this podcast today. Thank you for inviting us. So um, I, let me start the question for Dr. Finoff. Can you just kind of talk about the evolution and the use of, of musculoskeletal ultrasound in your practice over the past several years, um, as well as kind of how you've seen it uh, out in, in the field in general for primary care sports medicine? Sure. So I was first introduced to diagnostic and interventional ultrasound about eight years ago by Dr. Jay Smith. He's one of my colleagues here at the Mayo Clinic. Um, and Jay is really one of the pioneers of musculoskeletal ultrasound and a truly brilliant person for those of you who have met him. He not only helped train me clinically, but he also fostered my interest in research, which led to multiple original research projects related to diagnostic and interventional ultrasound. And over the years, as my skills have improved, I began participating as a faculty member and eventually course director for multiple different musculoskeletal ultrasound courses around the, around the world. And this opportunity enabled me to interact with other musculoskeletal ultrasound experts, sharing ideas and learning from this group of really talented individuals. And it's allowed me to push the envelope of what can be done with musculoskeletal ultrasound. Uh, now, I don't go a day in clinic without using this invaluable tool. I really think that musculoskeletal ultrasound has opened up a whole new world of possibilities in medicine. Not only does it provide me with diagnostic and prognostic information, it really enables me to perform previously impossible percutaneous procedures. And ultimately, I believe diagnostic and interventional ultrasound enhances my ability to provide exceptional care to my patients. Dr. DeFiori, uh, talk a little bit about your use of, of ultrasound over the last several years as well. You know, I, I first came aware, became aware of this when one of my colleagues, uh, Dr. John McShane, uh, began using musculoskeletal ultrasound in the early 2000s, and uh, he showed me what he was doing, and it was quite, you know, just really intriguing, and uh, we built from that, and of course, I came to know Jay Smith, uh, uh, as Dr. Finoff mentioned, and and between those two gentlemen, uh, sort of really encouraging um, myself and many others to, to begin to explore this technology, uh, we started using it in, uh, at UCLA uh, in the mid-2000s. And I think, you know, obviously I think the key uh, sort of uh, development that really allowed this was the technology. I mean, we all are familiar with ultrasound. Even in musculoskeletal ultrasound, if you look back in the literature, there's plenty of data talking about ultrasound, particularly in rotator cuff tears and, and other imaging uh, facets, and it's been used in Europe for many, many years. But what enabled us to begin to employ this was the 
development of portable ultrasound units with good resolution. And so being able to use these in the office at the point of care really, I think, drove us to, to really learn how to use this. And we started out uh, just scanning patients uh, together uh, in the office. I actually sort of corralled one of our radiology colleagues, and we started learning together. Uh, and since that time, we've built a pretty good core uh, among us of musculoskeletal ultrasound uh, experts at UCLA where we can do diagnostic and treatment uh, procedures uh, in the office and any variety of, of um, injuries uh, that we come across. And I, I think um, as we go forward, I think the key is going to be looking at um, how we can use this to benefit our patients and what the sort of value is in using ultrasound both diagnostically and interventionally. What does it offer above and beyond what we can do without it? It's, a, it's an amazing tool from a technology standpoint. And uh, I, I, like Dr. Finoff, now use it every day in my office with my patients, use it for both diagnostic um, uh, as a diagnostic tool and also for interventions. Uh, we can do a lot more things in our office without referring our patients out where we used to have to refer them to our radiology colleagues. Uh, we can now do a lot of those things in the office uh, with a great result. I think our patients are very appreciative of that. Uh, and I think really what we're dealing with is an evolving uh, tool, an evolving uh, technique uh, that deserves a lot more uh, attention and investigation. And I think we're all looking forward to uh, contributing to that as we all move forward with this uh, with this technology. That sounds good. So, um, Dr. DiFiori, so when you were president of AMSSM, um, you commissioned a task force on musculoskeletal ultrasound, and um, I believe you named uh, Dr. Finoff uh, to lead that task force. Can you kind of talk about what your goals were when you put that together and what you thought the need was to, to assemble a task force? You know, it, over the years and being involved with AMSSM uh, as a member of the board of directors and, and later as an executive officer, you, know, you could see that this tool was emerging, uh, that a lot of our members had just taken to this uh, and were using it in their practices, uh, and that we needed to stay as an organization uh, at the forefront of supporting our members and encouraging evidence-based use of the technology and also ensuring that as sports medicine practitioners that uh, we develop the proper expertise uh, to be recognized uh, as experts in musculoskeletal ultrasound. And so uh, in order to achieve some of those goals, uh, we wanted to look at how the, you know, the big picture plays out. What are the broad strokes that we need to focus on uh, to help uh, sports medicine uh, implement this technology in a systematic way. And so we looked at, uh, one of the things we looked at was, well, there are certain uh, organizations that now have been using musculoskeletal ultrasound, including the portable units, uh, and have developed that into their training programs, for example, emergency medicine and more recently rheumatology. And we started looking at um, how those uh, organizations began to implement that, and we realized that that uh, while musculoskeletal ultrasound uh, itself is used in a variety of different ways, that the way it's used in sports medicine is quite distinct from the way it's used in other specialties. And it was clear that we were going to need to articulate uh, how ultrasound in sports medicine was different and how it applied to the care of patients that, the care of patients that we see. So 
we began to look at uh, implementing uh, a description of what a curriculum should be for um, users of musculoskeletal ultrasound and sports medicine, how they can begin to learn this technique in a systematic fashion uh, and gain the expertise that would then recognize, enable them to be recognized as trained and skilled in this. And so part of this was developing the curriculum, the sports medicine ultrasound curriculum, and it was recently published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. And it's not meant to be a um, limiting uh, document. It's meant to serve as a foundation for programs, fellowship programs, to use this as a resource to help develop curricula that will uh, enable their fellows to come out of their programs at, as being uh, skilled in the use of musculoskeletal ultrasound. When you look at um, how uh, practitioners use musculoskeletal ultrasound, it's clear that uh, payers are looking to see, well, are they qualified to use this tool and how, how do they achieve this proficiency? And again, if you look at what's available in terms of documentation for sports ultrasound, there's really very little. And so this then uh, may serve as a way for our fellows and our colleagues in sports medicine to uh, document that they're proficient in musculoskeletal ultrasound. And so we feel that the best way of achieving that is actually by incorporating it into the training of a sports medicine physician uh, rather than um, sort of having uh, an additional level of training or proficiency or certification involved. And I think uh, the second goal of, of this task force um, not only was to develop this curriculum, but also to assist the fellowship programs and our members uh, in meeting the uh, uh, levels of uh, proficiency described in, in the curriculum. So to provide opportunities for our fellows as well as for our uh, fellowship directors and members to obtain uh, the training that, uh, that they may need to uh, achieve these uh, levels of proficiency. Uh, and then I think finally, um, sort of as an adjunct to this, um, uh, Dr. Finoff and Dr. Bintara Call, uh, along with several others, recently released a position statement that was commissioned by the American Medical Society of Sports Medicine while I was president that um, gives a lot of great evidence on the use of musculoskeletal ultrasound in sports medicine, where we have good evidence, where we have emerging evidence, and where we need to explore further on, it, on its use. So I think those are the broad strokes, and I think Dr. Finoff can probably comment a lot more specifically on the ultrasound curricula uh, that was developed. Yeah, so I'm going to uh, ask Dr. Finoff about both of those documents coming up really shortly, but Dr. DeFiore mentioned this term sports ultrasound, and some of you all may be hearing that for the first time. So, Dr. Finoff, do you want to kind of talk about when your task force got together, I heard that you all kind of decided that you needed to change the name and, and why the term sports ultrasound and, and um, what you see as it being distinct from uh, what we've always just called musculoskeletal ultrasound? Absolutely. So, musculoskeletal ultrasound refers to using ultrasound to diagnose and intervene on specific conditions that uh, affect the musculoskeletal system, so tendon problems, joint problems, ligament problems. And while that is a significant portion of what we use ultrasound for, that's not the only re that's not the only use of ultrasound in sports medicine. For instance, on the sideline, we can use ultrasound to evaluate for trauma to our uh, abdomen by doing the FAST examination. 
Um, in the future, we might be using ultrasound to start doing limited cardiac echo screening as part of the pre-participation physical examination. Possibly, we'll, we'll be using ultrasounds to look for vocal cord dysfunction. So there are just so many different applications of ultrasound that are far beyond just musculoskeletal in sports medicine that we felt that musculoskeletal ultrasound was a limiting term, and therefore we came up with the term of sports ultrasound, which certainly embodies more what the future of ultrasound is in our specialty. And so it sounds like one of the first things the task force did was to decide that you wanted to redo the sports ultrasound curriculum uh, specifically for sports medicine fellowships. So if you want to kind of briefly review uh, the project from a few years back when you came out with your first sports ultrasound or musculoskeletal ultrasound curriculum and, and kind of uh, the process of reviewing it, and as many of the listeners know, this is going to be uh, published in a few journals, um, uh, in particular the British Journal of Sports Medicine, um, where you can read the full curriculum. Um, but Dr. Finoff, kind of take us through a little bit about uh, the, the process of getting that together. Well, as Dr. DeFiori stated, <clears throat> he put together the task force, and this task force was really trying to come up with what the core what the core curriculum was for competency in sports medicine. So what should every sports medicine fellow know when they graduated from their fellowship related to sports ultrasound? And the curriculum that we had previously produced gave very nice uh, guidelines, but it was more general. And so we went back through the entire curriculum and really and really revised it to try to provide the sports fellowship directors and program directors with a roadmap that will allow them to successfully educate their sports medicine fellows. And I think that really the key to this new document is the identification of the core competencies that every sports medicine physician really should know when they're practicing sports ultrasounds. And so we identified those core competencies. We wove them into the fabric of this new curriculum and uh, and provided a roadmap for the program directors to meet these competencies. And, and so how is the new document different than the old one for those who haven't read it yet? I would say I would say that that's the number one that's the number one difference is just the inclusion of specific core competencies. So before it was a more general document, and now we've really put in more specific uh, core competencies. Beyond that, we set up units that people needed to go through, and the units begin with learning how to do ultrasound, but understanding the concept of ultrasound, understanding the basic science of ultrasound. What's the physics? How does this work? What are the common artifacts? What does normal tissue look like and what does abnormal tissue look like? And then based on that, we built on it by going through each joint and you scan the joints and you become competent looking at those joints, being able to identify very specific structures within each joint region. And then after that, starting to identify pathology and recognizing pathology. Uh, and after you're able to scan a joint, identify normal and abnormal uh, structures within the joint, then being able to guide interventional procedures in that area to treat these pathologies. And so it's a very structured format for learning, be beginning with the base of knowledge, so the ultrasound physics, the knobology, understanding your machine, then normal, then abnormal, then interventional. I think this is a, a very logical course for education. We also provided 
information regarding online resources um, and uh, and different medical societies, the American uh, Institute of Ultrasound and Medicine, to name one, that provide resources for fellowships and people who want to be educated in ultrasound. So I think it's really a very nice comprehensive document that somebody can take and implement very rapidly into their fellowship program. So you all both talked about the task force and the the, the change to the term sports ultrasound and this new document that you've come out with, and we'll talk about the interventional statement in a minute as well, but where do you see the sports ultrasound field going over the next uh, few years? And I guess I'm asking, um, what kind of changes do you see with maybe the document you just put together um, and also within AMSSM in terms of some of the educational content that will be available? And either of y'all can answer that or both of y'all could, could give your reply. Uh, well, I think uh, there are several things. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a really uh, important question. And I think the key to the development or further development of musculoskeletal ultrasound, it will be research that, uh, clinical research that looks at the, not just the accuracy, but the efficacy of uh, using uh, musculoskeletal ultrasound at the point of care. I think really in the end that that will determine how uh, broadly this is used um, and in, in, in in what different forms it, it can be used. So um, I think we need to encourage our colleagues to really continue to pursue to develop this evidence base because that will be probably the most important um, factor in the long-term development of, of the clinical use of musculoskeletal ultrasound. As far as um, additional tools, um, you know, AMSSM has been exploring many options to help support education and to help um, enable our colleagues to gain uh, additional experience and knowledge about musculoskeletal ultrasound, and that is part of what will be happening in the future. Just this year, uh, we added a new one-day hands-on beginner ultrasound course for our fellows that is part of the summer uh, workshop that uh, many fellows are attaining to the AMSSM Fellows Research and Leadership Conference, and so we were able to add that as a single-day course to begin that process. Um, so the sports ultrasound uh, pre-conference courses, which are in advance of the, immediately advance of the uh, spring annual meeting, uh, will continue to focus on both intermediate and advanced uh, ultrasound. There are regional courses that AMSSM helps uh, to uh, put on partnering with some of our member institutions. Uh, uh, and we also are looking at um, online educational tools that will assist the fellows and our members with meeting some of these educational objectives. So those things are rolling out in the future, and I think those things could well expand. And I think Dr. Finoff um, probably has some more specifics on that, and, I, and his perspective, I think, is, is really valuable in how um, he has developed this in his practice and how he's uh, been very, very active uh, one of the few has been very active in clinical research with ultrasound. Well, I don't have a, a lot to add to what John said. I think that he really summarized it well. We we have educational products that will train from the fellows to beginning uh, sonographers um, 
to intermediate and advanced. We do interventional uh, offerings through our regional courses. I think the main thing is is keeping our hand on the pulse of sports ultrasound. You know, there's new research coming out rapidly in this field, and we need to keep up to date on that and identify what areas are are have adequate evidence and are appropriate for our physicians to really be learning, like the FAST examination. Should we be doing, should we start training uh, our sports medicine colleagues in the FAST examination now? And we're going to introduce that for the first time in our advanced ultrasound course. Um, we're, there's more research, again, coming along with the limited cardiac echo screen as part of the pre-participation physical. And so as these things evolve and as we gain evidence and we understand how this would apply within sports medicine, we want to make sure that we provide these educational resources for our members. And that will be, so this is going to be a, an ever-evolving process. And my guess is with, with the curriculum, as we get more and more competent faculty within sports fellowships, as we have this become more and more standard within sports medicine, then we're going to advance and evolve our sports curriculum. And so my guess, and John would probably agree with this, that every four to five years, we're going to revisit that curriculum and update it. So you talk yeah, about I, I do agree. Oh, sorry, I go ahead. that's how this kind of evolved over the years, is kind of keeping an eye on it, keeping, as John said, you know, keeping track of the developments and it became clear that the organization really needed to plunge into this. And uh, now that it's been established with the great work of, of John, and I'd like to mention Madera Hall, Eric Adams, Dave Burkhoff, Andy Konkoff, Bill Dexter, and, and Jay Smith, as well as Mark Stovak and Kim Harmon, Mark LaValle, uh, Fred Brennan. Um, these are all members of the task force who, who helped uh, with with the uh, projects um, that we're talking about. And it's through those sorts of leaders in the organization that we'll be able to now, we've got a foothold, we've, we've got a foundation. So when we identify something, we can modify or add uh, to what we've established now. And, and that, that makes things a lot more effective, I think, for, the, for adapting in the future. So before I leave that topic, I know that there's been discussion with this task force and with uh, AMSSM of actually making ultrasound a requirement in, uh, for fellowships um, in sports medicine. So Dr. Finnoff, can you kind of give us an update on where that is in the process? Yes. So we, um, the ultrasound task force, under the direction of Mark Stovak, wrote a letter to um, the RRC of Family Medicine requesting that the program requirements for sports medicine fellowships be revised to include sports ultrasound. And we had very specific wording that we wanted included in the document. This was reviewed and recently approved by the Family Medicine RRC, um, and it has been submitted to the other four primary care sports medicine RRCs, and three of the other four have okayed it, and the fourth is currently reviewing it. After that takes place, then there's an open period where program directors for sports medicine fellowships can review our request and put in comments. And then the, uh, the whole process is voted to either um, accept these revisions or, or not. 
And so I anticipate actually over the next 6 to 12 months that this is going to be a program requirement within sports medicine fellowships. Great. Um, so we only have a few more minutes, so I wanted to uh, talk about a second article that's going to appear in the British Journal of Sports Medicine um, in February, um, that's the AMSSM-themed edition. And this article talks about the interventional use of musculoskeletal ultrasound, and it is a position statement written by um, the Musculoskeletal Ultrasound Task Force, or the Sports Ultrasound Task Force, I should say, uh, at AMSSM. And, you know, John, Dr. Fenoff, you had talked about uh, the need for evidence in applying our use of ultrasound, and this seems like a great uh, paper in terms of looking at the evidence that's out there and hopefully guiding clinicians as well as potentially even third-party payers on, on where the evidence is the strongest and, and where there is good utility um, for using ultrasound with interventional treatments. So if you could just talk a couple minutes about that um, uh, position paper. paper. Absolutely. So this project came about over the past several years because a lot of different entities, including physicians, insurers, and the government, have been discussing whether or not ultrasound guidance is required to perform certain interventional procedures. And although frequently the different entities discussing this had very dogmatic opinions, very few actually provide scientific evidence to support their stance. And so AMSSM felt that at this time, there probably is sufficient evidence to draw some conclusions. And therefore, uh, again, under the direction of Dr. DeFiori, he put together a writing group to evaluate whether ultrasound-guided injections into joints specifically and also some soft tissues improved the accuracy, efficacy, and cost-effectiveness of injections. And uh, our review of the literature found 169 relevant studies. So there's actually quite a bit of literature out there on this topic. And the findings of the position statement indicate that there's strong evidence that ultrasound-guided injections are more accurate than landmark-guided injections. There's moderate evidence that they are more efficacious, and there's preliminary evidence that suggests that they're more cost-effective. Furthermore, ultrasound guidance is required to perform many new advanced procedures and will likely enable the development of innovative ultrasound-guided surgical techniques in the future. So I think that this document really kind of turns the page and, and hopefully will change the nature of the future discussions regarding whether ultrasound guidance should be used to really ultrasound guidance becoming the standard of care. You know, another item that people need to consider is that Patients report less pain during and after the procedure when ultrasound guidance is used, and there's higher patient satisfaction. So all this information suggests that ultrasound guidance satisfies all three criteria of the triple aim proposed by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which include improved health care of the population it's served, reduced costs, and improved patient care experience. And so we hope, as AMSSM, that all this information is taken into consideration when future the government and third-party payers are making future decisions regarding ultrasound-guided procedures. That sounds great. Dr. DeFiori, do you have anything to add to that? No, I, I think John really um, summarizes really very well. And um, I think, again, part of our organizational, I think, duty here is to articulate um, the evidence that's there. and 
and get that out into the medical literature uh, so that our colleagues can take advantage of that, learn from it, uh, and hopefully advance the evidence base. And then, as Dr. Finoff was saying, it, it also helps to um, recognize when the use of diagnostic and interventional ultrasound uh, not only is, uh, can be helpful, but maybe better than what we've been doing in the past with sort of, you know, landmark-based uh, injections or interventions. For example, I, I think um, those of us who practice um, interventional uh, sports ultrasound, the use of um, guided uh, barbitage of calcific tendinopathy of the shoulder has been very, very successful uh, and really uh, uh, enables a patient to avoid a shoulder arthroscopy. And as many of our surgical colleagues tell us, they, they have a hard time sometimes really having a successful outcome with those patients doing arthroscopy. And so it's a great example of how an office-based procedure can be very successful and actually uh, less invasive uh, than uh, the sort of prior benchmark um, treatment. Uh, and I think also, for example, with guided uh, hip injections for osteoarthritis, uh, we can now do those in the office rather than um, necessarily sending someone to uh, a radiology suite or fluoroscopy suite, suite to have it done. So um, these are two examples, but I, I think that with further uh, investigation, uh, we may find additional things that are very, very beneficial to our patients. Uh, that our uh, members can perform uh, successfully and uh, should be recognized as a, um, uh, at the very least, an alternative, and, and as John, Dr. Finoff mentioned, um, perhaps a standard of care. Uh, one thing uh, before we, uh, I know you might want to move on to one other question, but I, I forgot to mention one of our key task force members, Dr. Sean Martin, and I don't want Sean to come after me at our next <laughs> annual meeting. So, Sean, thanks for being part of the task force as well. Well, I have several more questions, but unfortunately, I think we're going to be out of time here, so hopefully they may uh, ask us to come back or, or do another one or do a follow-up in a year or two, and we can kind of uh, see how all this is coming along. Is there anything else that, that either of you feel you want to kind of add to the conversation or make sure that the listeners here uh, get to hear about um, regarding sports ultrasound or uh, AMSSM involvement before we sign off here? I, well, just from uh, the AMSSM standpoint, uh, first I, I want to thank BJSM, uh, for providing us this opportunity to discuss this important topic and also uh, the theme issue that, that's coming out. Uh, BJSM has been a big supporter of AMSSM uh, in terms of uh, uh, the scientific literature and uh, uh, advancing the evidence base, and I do want to thank them. Uh, but I also uh, would like to encourage our members to, you know, our, our members are have a tremendous amount of expertise in the practice of sports medicine. The organization is really only as good as our members. Unfortunately, we have a strong membership. And the reason I say this is that it's from our members, and I think as Dr. Finoff mentioned, from folks like Jay Smith and John McShane and others who were really early adapters of this technology that other members began to learn about this, and ultimately the organization became aware of this and, and looked at it and studied it. And so I want to encourage our members to continue to come to the organizational leaders with their ideas, with their thoughts, with their observations, so that uh, AMSSM can continue to uh, be proactive uh, in advancing the, the, the field of sports medicine. Uh, 
So I'd like to thank Dr. Finoff and Dr. DeFiore for spending a few minutes with us discussing this topic. I want all the listeners to be aware that the AMSSM-themed edition um, on sports ultrasound will be out in February. Um, and in addition to the two position statements, there's going to be a lot of other ultrasound-themed uh, articles talking about reviewing uh, the evidence for, for ultrasound for fractures in sports medicine, looking at ultrasound for focal neuropathies, um, as well as uh, an evaluation and introduction to some of the ultrasound uh, used outside of the musculoskeletal system, like Dr. Finoff alluded to before, in addition to some great editorials and review articles and original articles as well. So um, that's all the time we have. Um, so I'd like to say thanks and um, hope you enjoyed this podcast.